0: Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.
1: Streamline, slim down your tool belt, right? A tool belt's not going to stay around your waist. If there's too much in it, it's going to hit the floor and you won't be able to reach any of those tools anyway, right? So really keeping things slim and light and making sure that you're modeling that, supporting other people, right, in that process is one way to have an impact.
0: (laughs) Thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Monica Burns is a curriculum and ed tech consultant, Apple Distinguished Educator, and founder of ClassTechTips.com. As a classroom teacher in New York City, Monica used digital tools to create an engaging, differentiated learning experience to meet the unique needs of her students. Monica started her blog ClassTechTips.com in 2012 to help make EdTech easier for fellow educators and launched the Easy EdTech podcast and her membership site, the Easy EdTech Club, to support educators who want to simplify and streamline technology integration. Since starting ClassTechTips.com, Monica has led workshops and webinars and provided keynote presentations to teachers, instructional coaches, administrators, and tech enthusiasts at numerous national and international conferences. Monica is the author of EdTech Essentials, the Top 10 Technology Strategies for All Learning Environments. Tasks Before Apps, Designing Rigorous Learning in a Tech-Rich Classroom, Two Quick Reference Guides for ASCD on Distance Learning Essentials and Classroom Technology Tips, as well as several other publications. I can't tell you how excited I am to have Monica on the podcast today because she is everything tech, but not in the broad way that we all talk. She's got that too, but she has a lot of Good tips, practical strategies that we'll be able to hear. So welcome, Monica. Thank you for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's, you know, I want to get started right off the bat because it's new and I want to make sure I I talk about this because it's it's something I'm, I'm sure you think is important and I think we all will, is your most recent publication, The Top 10 Technology Strategies for All Learning Environments. And um, that was just last year that was published, correct?
1: Yeah. So just at the end of last summer
0: so talk to us about that walk us through you know i have my idea i'm sure some of the listeners have their ideas why that's that's an important publication especially now but um Fill us in a little bit. What was the passion behind that or what drove you and, and what's it got for us?
1: So I had the chance to work with my publisher, ASCD, several years ago for my first book with them, Tasks Before Apps, like you mentioned. And we had some conversations before the start of the pandemic around what it would look like to craft a text that focused in on a few big ideas. So we chose these 10 edtech essentials and really make them actionable. For educators, so that they could narrow in on what was what they, what you know, we talked about being important or high priority with ideas that were also cross curricular to help support a coach or an administrator who might pop into a classroom and want to have some conversations with classroom teachers. And then when the pandemic started and there was a shift to distance learning in so many places, hybrid or concurrent learning. You know, we put a pause, or I, <laughs> at least I was the one, I'm like, we're going to put a pause on this right now. And we kind of stepped back and said, let's see kind of where things are at, if some of these essentials might shuffle or change or conversations around them. And although, you know, there's definitely been an acceleration and adoption of digital tools in different places in conversations around digital learning strategies, not much change in the core content, right? Um, Having that time to sit back and say, what do we want to talk about? But more of the framing of different pieces or the final chapter, which talks about making a plan and being ready to really embrace your place like a learning management system. Should you make an unexpected shift to a different type of uh, teaching and learning or delivery mode? with different interactions, you know, in the future. So that's kind of the story behind the book. It's been lovely working with ASCD, the quick reference guides around distance learning essentials and classroom technology tips, were ones that came along kind of in between uh, the process of crafting the content for this book. And, you know, in the conversations I've had with educators, both in person at some events this year, and as well as, you know, virtually was really around, you know, choose one or two these essentials to guide your professional learning. Maybe look at one a month, right, over the 10 months that you're working within a group, um, maybe with your professional learning community, your PLN, um, or if you're working with a group at a grade level team, right? So it's really to frame conversation, build some vocabulary on what you're truly hoping to accomplish with technology integration.
0: That's awesome. The, The idea of you need your purpose before you can pick a tool or or anything like that. And you know we all like to talk about that, and but it's tough because you have the the bright new shiny thing, right? The the turnkey, save everything. So if we could dig down a little bit on that, I mean, you mentioned wow. the idea to help administrators and and uh, coaches with these types of things. Your essentials didn't change, so. How does an administrator, if you were to, if you were to pick one of these essentials or one or two of these essentials and, and kind of dig down on it and give us some examples of how does an administrator support a teacher? in taking a step with these things in their classrooms?
1: So when I'm talking to an administrator around, say, crafting professional development, a conversation I just had last week with a group in Pennsylvania, right, and asked they asked me kind of a similar question about which of these essentials should we focus on for our summer professional learning, right? So, um, so to on the mark with what's front of mind for me uh, the past few weeks, you know, one of the areas that we'll start off, you know, I often will suggest is to start talking about curate or curation, what it looks like to pick resources really thoughtfully and make some judgment calls on what's the best to bring in to uh, working with students. The other one that often comes into play is assess right, or gathering information. I usually put assess and pivot (laughs) together, right? Because we're gathering this information and we want it to be actionable. We want to do something with it. It's not just about collecting data, but really having it inform instruction. And the third one that I would say, you know, comes kind of first in conversations is create, right? What are kids doing to create products of learning, to share their learning in creative ways, but also to make something that is that kind of authentic piece that they've created that didn't exist before, right? That comes from synthesizing information from their learning in different areas of the day. And one of the things I love about those create or creativity conversations is that it really does allow to um, you know, differentiate how you might give students options for the products that they make or give them the ability to use voice to text or voice recording as opposed to typing paragraphs or something. So there's a lot of ways to be creative in that whole process, right? As you're setting up students as creators as well.
0: So what I'm hearing, just to make sure that I've I've got this straight, I mean, you you gave us three essentials basically. And what I'm hearing from you is the idea that you it comes down to creativity and choice almost for the students. And so as a leader, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this from the lens of a principal say, and I want teachers to do this with students in their classrooms. Now, obviously I, I give them, or I communicate to them the idea that I want them to take risks and that, you know, there's no gotcha or anything like that to go and support them and things like that, obviously through PD, obviously through time, but is there any specific way to get them these ed tech type tools? Like I, I have different tools that I use. And and so I try and model those. And whenever I have a faculty meeting, if I have a new ed tech tool I'm using, if I have a new tool, like I just switched tools for the internal newsletter I do to my faculty each week. And so I tell them, this is something I'm trying new. This is different. Are there, are there any tools we should be looking for as leaders that are, that are easier to engage faculty in,
1: I love the transparency, right? And your thought process or sharing that with the educators that you support to say, I just switched to this for this reason or I want to share this with you because, right? The same way we would think about modeling in any part of our day, right? That kind of think aloud piece, if you will, right? Or the reasoning behind it. So if we're kind of looking at a tool and making recommendations for a group, there's a few things that I recommend. So having a tool that is what I call an open-ended, creation tool, something that has a blank canvas. It's not just for one type of project, but you could use it and revisit it lots of times over the course of the year. I love that being an anchor in someone's tool belt because they can come back to it multiple times. I like it as an anchor school-wide oftentimes because you can have conversations amongst colleagues about the different ways that you might use something. So it really can help that general buy-in to say, we don't all have to use this, right? But there's a lot of people who can support me if I want to take that risk and I'm not quite sure who to ask. So some examples of that uh, would include uh, Adobe Creative Cloud Express, which used to be called Adobe Spark or Book Creator. Those are two that I love and I've worked with both of their teams and I have seen some of the evolution <laughs> right, of what's there uh, for student creators. But I also, you know, as we think about those core tools or categories Having a tool that allows for quick assessment. And when I say quick, it could mean a few different things, right? Quick collection of data, right? A quick way to build it into a routine you've already established. So not a heavy lift. Quick in the way that kids respond. So that could mean giving them some choice on the way that's going to respond best for them. You might not need to check how well someone can spell or write a sentence to figure out that they're able to talk about the difference between numerators and denominators, right? Whatever your success criteria might be. So That quickness can also include removing some barriers so that everyone can participate and that you're getting high quality information in real time that you can then quickly skim, review, look at, access. So that ease and efficiency, sometimes, you know, we feel like, oh, that's cheating. It's too easy for me to do that, right? Like it should be harder, but it doesn't need to be harder, right? And you can really look at that in a few different ways. So an open-ended creation tool and an assessment tool that's flexible for lots of different routines are two core ones in a tool belt. And then the third one I would suggest, because I think that there's a big need for autonomy, right? And for content specific pieces or situational pieces that might round out the tool belt. But the third one I would suggest is a place. And I will sometimes say embrace your place, which really just means your learning management system. How are you organizing? How are you distributing stuff? Right? And And it might not be your favorite place. It might not have been the one that you chose if you were on the committee, right? Or you might have piloted it and given all the reasons why it wasn't your favorite. But if you can really embrace that place, keep things organized in that spot that maybe you do transfer to a different Delivery mode, right, with a distance learning for a short term or longer term, or everyone else is using the same learning management system. So you have a lot of community members who you can talk to about it, or that place that was chosen for you, right, might be useful for a family that has three students in a district and they go to that one place to check in on everyone. So, as much as that can be, maybe not the the best option or your favorite option it really can save you a lot of time and energy reduce some of the friction for people coming in and working to you know support you
0: it almost makes me think of automation mm-hmm. and the different automation tools that are out there for people that are you know like taking advantage of different social media sites and things like that like ifttt and 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 so mm-hmm. forth but what you said is just super important for all leaders to hear you just gave. And first of all, I love the reference to tool belt. And just because I had a, I had a wrestling coach in college that used the reference to toolbox for when we're on the map. But I love that you said tool belt and you talked about three really important things, the creation piece, Mm -hmm. the assessment piece to make sure that you're hitting the, the learning expectations that you want to hit. And then that the last, I love the idea of embrace your place, whether it's what you voted for or not. You have to embrace that piece because that's the communication. That's the most important thing. It makes me think about, you know, my own school uh-huh. and how our district and schools are a little choppy because we're, we're trying to make a transition and that and I know we're not alone across the nation, across the world after the pandemic, but um, we had a certain way we communicated with our, you know, with our student information system. Mm-hmm. And we we put our grades through that and all that, but we started using Google Classroom and then we started using it even more, almost primarily during the pandemic. And then people were saying, well, things are in Google Classroom, but it's not quite synced with the student information system. So where do I look for this? I missed that assignment. Um, this isn't posted. And it becomes a logistical nightmare. So I think it's super important that you mentioned the whole idea of, of embracing your place and, and those three steps that people really have to think about before they do that. Uh-huh. Now, as a leader, so right, we're, we support teachers with the tools they get. We engage teachers in the process of that. How do we empower them to take these things and really run with them? Almost. Do you have any tips for the listeners about empowering teachers to to, okay, maybe we didn't agree with this. This is something new, but it's not another put on Mm -hmm. and empowering them to really just take that and run with it.
1: Well, you mentioned something that is so important, which is creating the community and the culture and the space for someone to take risks and feel comfortable, right? Asking for help. And so that's one piece of it, a really important piece of it. And there's also, you know, that idea of adding to your plate when you have a lot of other things happening. So if you are able to carve out time for someone to explore. To have a mentor mentee style, right? Or a coach that's coming in to give support and feedback, right? Those things can't happen in addition to all the other things if we really are making a commitment. Not only is it the actual time on the schedule, but you're signaling to someone that this is valued and important because you're allocating time for it, right? Like when we allocate time for the people in our lives, right? It's a way to show that we care about it, about those people. And the same thing goes here. And that is the logistical piece of learning how to do something, but also saying this is important and you can tell because we've made this type of commitment for the schedule. And one piece that also kind of goes along with this, and I mentioned the kind of coaching or the mentor-mentee piece, is really making sure that in addition to the time being allocated right, or that commitment and culture being there, that people have an opportunity to see the value and how it aligns to a pain point that they already have, or how it fits into the situation, how it's going to actually solve this very specific problem, how it's going to help us do something we couldn't do before. And earlier this week, I was speaking with an educator kind of about this idea of buy-in. And, and one thing we talked about that, you know, I think is important to bring in to our conversation as well, right, is really honoring educators, classroom teachers at different stages of their career. If you have a conversation and I'm sure you right, have all already seen this in action, but I know if I have a conversation with someone who's outside of education, they're immediately making the assumption that the younger teachers know how to do all the things with technology, right? right? They know how all this works, they're on TikTok, right? And they make these big, broad statements that, you know, in practice are not always true. You know, I have found leading sessions and workshops and having conversations with educators who have 20, 10, right, more years, right, in their belt. They have the context for these conversations that a brand new teacher just might not have had the experience for. So, you know, if I'm talking about an essential like explore and showing off some virtual reality resources that transport students to a coral reef, while well, a teacher that's taught in a unit on ecosystems for two decades is now like, what? I can do this, right? I can really bring my kids to this and talk about all the different abiotic and biotic factors of an ecosystem right, with or without a headset or whatever it is, where you might have a newer teacher who hasn't had that experience with content or pedagogy in the past. They might be game for it and see that this could be a great way to promote student engagement But you might also have that veteran teacher who says, this is going to help with the vocabulary acquisition that we're really hoping for this unit, right? It's just a different type of conversation. And so when you're looking to support buy-in, right, make things relevant, address a pain point someone has, and really honor the experiences, make those connections with educators who are bringing so much to the table with or without digital tools.
0: You said so much right there about... And really the key, the idea of context and experience, you know, when you're talking about different years of experience that a teacher has, because you're right about the younger teachers, or at least in my experience, the younger teachers being game, right? And ready to go. Sure. I'll try it. Why not? But not really understanding why it's important or the important aspects of that, where your, your veteran teachers are saying yeah well we need to we need to hit this and do this and this is a good way to do it because they've had the experience of the five different ways that the newer teacher might try before they find a way that works as good so that context is so important the I almost look at it as and correct me if I'm wrong because I, I don't th- this isn't meant to sound harsh but in a simplified way it's almost the difference between game for something and meaningful Uh And, and just being really purposeful with what they're implementing because they have an idea of what it looks like.
1: Absolutely. Right. And the experience levels there, I think that's definitely a fair way to position it. You know, sometimes when I think about leading professional development for a group that does have a very diverse set of experiences, you know, I sometimes think about a Disney movie, right, where people laugh at different parts of the movie, right? (laughs) You might have your parents laughing at one part and their little kids laughing at another part, right? But everyone's enjoying themselves and walking away saying Toy Story was great, right? Even if it was different for different reasons. And so that's not to belittle someone right, or be kind of flippant about the experience, but just to say that there are different audiences, sometimes even in the same room, where you can have these different levels of conversations and people might walk away with a different idea of what implementation might look like.
0: I, and that doesn't belittle anything. I <laughs> That's a fantastic reference, a Disney movie. Because we talk about that all the time, the adult humor that's hidden in a Disney movie where the different Mm -hmm. people are laughing at different times. You know, you've been a teacher, a Mm -hmm. a coach, obviously an author, you do presentations, you do keynotes, things like that. So, and just from listening to you, obviously, you're really good at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything that you would consider a superpower? Because obviously, you know... Um, for many of us that we miss this because of the imposter syndrome and things like that. But a lot of times what's ordinary to us is extraordinary to other people, and we don't realize it. So do you have you have a superpower?
1: Gosh, that's a, a wonderful question. I mean, I think in my work, my big goal is to simplify make things easier, make things actionable. And I'm really committed to that when working with educators from my writing, from my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast, I write blog posts, trying to make things doable is really important to me and is a big commitment to my work. Right? We can talk about all the big ideas we want to, but if we really want to put them into action, I think that's really where my work comes into play. Right? I do have my... Doctorate, right? I have done a lot of research and all the other things. But when it comes to putting things together, right, I'm really committed to that actionable. Let's make it happen. Let's simplify as best that we can without hopefully sacrificing, right, the quality, um, even though making things a little bit easier to digest.
0: Now, you could argue the whole, and, and that's a great power to have is simplify. And not that getting a doctorate was simple i <laughs> i realized that from personal experience mm-hmm. but one of the things i did take away from that besides looking at things and thinking of things differently is the idea that you have to be able to present an idea in a simple manner mm-hmm. you know more so than the elevator speech that they talk about but basically an elevator speech that's elevated for you know mm-hmm. so i can repeat a bunch of words but so yeah that's that's a great thing to be able to simplify these larger things that we're talking about i mean tech is such a huge field and it's a scary field for a lot of people um i we just we, i just got my mother on facebook She's she's 70 something and we we give her a hard time she laughs because we say dragging her out of the stone age but um the jokes aside people in a school setting when they're on stage or the stakes are high or and people don't get into teaching just to pass the time they They want to make sure they're making a difference. So the idea of moving away from comfortable or moving away from the norm with a new tech tool is a scary thing. So, I think the idea of breaking it down into simple steps is is something very valuable.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's definitely a commitment that I have, right, or <laughs> a value that's high on my list. Because just like you said, everyone's coming in with great intentions, right, and committed to the work, and just hoping to make things a bit more simple for them.
0: Well, even just the reference guides that you mentioned earlier at the top of the top of the show for ASCD. If I, I mean, listeners, if if you can. Hop on it. I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff that'll be in the show notes anyways for for all the things you've done. But those reference guides are fantastic and they're easy to use and they're simple. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. So good work on that.
1: Thank you. I'm really excited about that format and really glad that ASCD is committed to offering it that way. I love books and reading and book clubs and all the things, right? But we're busy or everyone's busy and having the quick reference guides, right? Can give you a conversation starter might feel better than hosting a book club with a group of people who might not have the time to commit to that. And I think it is anchoring to know that you can go back, you can look at something, you're going to walk away with an idea. And if you want to dive in deeper, it's always an opportunity to do so.
0: How powerful is a reference guide, guide clipped into a plan book or a journal book or, you know what I mean? Something like that, just something easy that's right there. So I, um, I, I, I'm really enjoying talking to you about this, and I I want to ask you another question about what what you believe school should look like for teachers and students, so maybe give you a chance to look forward or something like that, but I just want to hear from the sponsors real quick first, and um, we'll be right back after that. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the seeing-to-lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Okay, and we're back with Monica, and we've been talking all things tech, um, but more importantly, as promised at the top of the show, and another reason you have to get this book, this EdTech Essentials that she put out just recently, is because she even started to lay out some simple strategies and a framework that leaders can follow to help support teachers as they use that framework to then implement these things for their students. So with her mantra of keeping it simple, Uh, I do have another question for that has to do with tech and has to do with passing these things down. So education, and anybody that listens to this that knows me knows that um, I, I hold the belief that education is like trying to turn an oil tanker. Change is often slow, very arduous. But when the pandemic hit, that made us change quickly we had to become more of a speedboat and there were some things that we never want to see happen in education again but there were also some really good things that came through that we could start to use and put anchors down to really change education for the better we just have to embrace that as leaders as teachers and every facet of education and go forward with that instead of you know hoping to get back to the old normal we need to create a new normal so Monica, I have to ask you, what would the ideal school look like? What should school look like for students and teachers now that we've gone through this phase in our history or, well, we're almost through this phase in our history?
1: Yeah, I mean, as you're talking and sharing, I love that visual of just the tanker. We can all envision the frustration and the slowness and like all the parts that make it, right? so challenging. I'm glad that's not something I'm in charge of, right? (laughs) Um, But, you know, when we think about, What we'd like to see or what I would like to see moving forward, you know, it's been really interesting to watch some of the choices, right? Some of the things that people have run back to, right? Which is maybe more nostalgic than because it was great, right? It just feels good and comfortable. Um, And as opposed to really embracing some of the things that were working really well. But moving forward and thinking about an ideal situation, a couple things to consider. First are just the skills that we're focused on. So in addition to content area skills or curriculum pieces, how can we encompass media literacy, digital citizenship, into conversations in a way that is organic, right? That is authentic, right? And really building that in across the school day, whether it's something as quick to say, I'm going to make a commitment that when I add a photo to the Google Slides cover presentation, I'm going to add that citation down at the bottom. And I'm going to quickly mention it to students before we jump into what we're doing, right? Or something like modeling. I chose this website for you because I could tell it was a great source on this subject because I noticed X, Y, and Z at the footer or the about page, right? Mm -hmm. Just like framing things big and small. I mean, that could impact someone's every day, right? If a third grader hears that like all the time, right? The thoughtfulness of choosing resources, they're going to think twice before they hit post, right? On whatever social media is there for them, you know, 10 years in <laughs> the future, right? So really modeling those behaviors around digital citizenship, around media literacy and understanding all the pieces that go along with both of those would be two areas that I'd love to see more attention paid to you I'd also love to see more of a focus when we talk about college and career readiness. It can mean a lot of different things, but I think vocational education, financial literacy, right, pieces that, you know, we can really step back and say, this is important and we can be purposeful about building it into the work that we do with students. Those are other areas I'd love to see more of an investment in, more emphasis on, more options, more value placed on, especially when we talk about vocational education. And that could include things like cybersecurity and computer science skills, right? In addition to other things we might think of as being more hands-on, but there are still digital skills that go along with those crafts too.
0: That's fantastic. And you, <laughs> I think I started to get goosebumps when you were talking about the second part. We, we um, at my school, just speaking about my school, my my uh, student counseling department is is really on top of things. And um, we bounce ideas off of each other because I say, hey, well, what about this? And they tell me why or why, you know, it's possible or what steps need to be taken. And we had just recently put a financial literacy graduation requirement in to our curriculum. So people have to take it. And the college and career readiness, it was funny. It started off with me telling my student, my director of student counseling that I don't believe in college and career readiness. And I said, I believe in career readiness. Yes. Some careers require uh-huh. college, some don't, some are certification stuff. And it's funny because her son um, graduated and, from a Vogue school and is an HVAC and has done well for himself. And my son, my oldest son, and now my youngest one wants to, my oldest son is going to a vocational high school for um, engineering. And so, yeah, I, I mean, people are like, oh, your kid's going to a vocational school? Because, you know, the whole political disagreement. Right. Uh But yeah, so those things, I I could not agree more. And and what you said, so, you know, we're working on things like that and innovation pathways through the support of our state. They have some grant funding that helps us create almost like a vocational pathway in the traditional college prep high school. So there are movements that way, I guess I'm saying, but the the thing that we're missing, the the black hole that you jumped right over um, in the beginning is media literacy and digital citizenship. And just that simple example you gave of, I chose this because of A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, those are just such important things.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the commitment that you shared. I'm sure if you um, are that deep into the financial literacy piece too, you've seen those memes that are like, I can describe a parallelogram, but I can't do my taxes. You
0: know,
1: you see every April and just like the cringe factor of that, you know. And so <laughs> these are pieces that I think are really relatable to people, both inside and outside of education to really make a case for that. And I hope that it was more and more places like yours, you know, are adopting that and making that commitment. And there's storytelling around that so people understand the power, right? It's really, um, it's really powerful.
0: You just, I mean, you gave me, and now as we're talking, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and just more and more the thoughts are swimming around in my head of, man, if I see one more poster in the library that says, you know, check your sources and a good source is, well, yeah, that's great. It's on a wall in the library. Who's looking at that? Mhm. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the idea of modeling it and building it in is is so key. That's that's fantastic. I do we're we're getting to the end of the podcast and so I do have two questions that I ask everybody that appears. And the first one is if you were not an educator, who, not what would you be?
1: So I think you know, in tackling this question, my who I would be would be someone who, right, spends more time outdoors. (laughs) Someone (laughs) who is doing things uh, that are away from a screen a little bit more, which might seem uh, funny to say, given the work that I do. But I think the balance there is crucial, right, and key. So I don't, I think I would be someone who is just spending more of my hours right outside of the four walls of wherever I happen to be encompassed. I'm a big supporter of the national park system and all the things that you can get out and do and explore. Awesome. So um, maybe my what would be something around that kind of a line of work, but even from a classroom perspective, I taught in a school where we transitioned into a magnet school for environmental stewardship, which was more fortuitous wow. of having to been in the right place at a time where the magnet theme really aligned with things that were important to me. So that might be my kind of who.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. I, so now I have to ask you this question, mm-hmm. this, as you were talking about that, that's That's a great answer, by the way. And it's funny how a lot of times when people say who it has to do with how directly tied it still is to education. So now away from a screen or less time, that balance between screen time and outside time, man, that is something we are struggling with. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for how we get that done? How do leaders structure stuff? How can, I mean, besides the teachers just saying, hey, I'm taking the class out today. How are we purposeful? Let's put it that way, because everything you talk about is purposeful.
1: So I think it's very tempting to put a number right on screen time or minutes when it's much more important to talk about use cases and the quality of it. And so coming back to that environmental stewardship magnet theme story, I often start off talks that I do with two pictures on the same slide, and one is a picture of an iPad cart, and the other is a picture of the starter compost bin, right, from my classroom, right, and I'll say, you know, I'll make the joke that is, you know, we weren't going to put apple cores or banana peels in the iPad cart, right, nothing good was going to come from that, but I use it as a way to illustrate the, you know, there's a time and a place for all these things, and some things you can do really well, right, when you have access to a digital device, and some things are just, It's not gonna work well, right? So if we're committed to composting, we need to have a thousand worms in a bin with newspaper and lunch scraps. But if we have quick access to iPads, we can snap some pictures, we can tell other people what we're doing, we can research why does this smell a little funky today when normally it doesn't smell at all, right? So, you know, there is a time and a place for all of these pieces. So I do think it comes down to being thoughtful and have a lot of reflection and conversations around it.
0: Fantastic. So here's the last question and these it's funny because these are the only two scripted questions i have typically so um after we've talked all afternoon or not all afternoon but for this amount of time and all that's been said about tech and and modeling and the different things that we can do and even your even your last answer about the whole balance between screen and 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 outside what one piece of advice would you give to leaders as they work to better support, engage and empower their teachers.
1: So one thing I would say, and it comes back to our earlier conversation is really streamline, slim down your tool belt, right? A tool belt's not going to stay around your waist. If there's too much in it, it's going to hit the floor and you won't be able to reach any of those tools anyway, right? So really keeping things slim and light and making sure that you're modeling that, supporting other people, right? In that process is one way to have an impact.
0: Awesome. So Keep it simple, and make sure that the tools you have are the tools that are most useful. Absolutely. Perfect. So you've said a ton. We've mentioned your book a couple of times. That I'm gonna I'm gonna plug one more time because I think it's just super important to have something that's practical. I mean, you know, we read so much, and me personally, I I read a lot of books outside of education too, uh, for different tips and things like that. But to have something like that book that is practical strategy and something I can walk away and implement with, you know, my sticky notes and, and things like that. Besides that, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Because I'm sure you've said something that's resonated with somebody that they can use.
1: So, my website is classtechtips.com. We just did a big brand new launch earlier in January. So, it looks a little bit <laughs> easier to navigate than it would have if you looked last year. So, classtechtips.com. That's where I also host my Easy Ed Tech podcast. So, all the episodes are right there. And then class tech tips is where you can find me on all the social media platforms, even with quick ed tech tip videos on TikTok, you can find by searching for a
0: class tech tips. So now that's interesting. TikTok. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was just talking to somebody, another educator about TikTok and how they use TikTok. Oh, yeah. And because, you know, the whole purposeful thing, plan it out and get the tool that works for what you're trying to do. What do you use TikTok for?
1: So as a consumer, I find that there's plenty of funny, silly videos, but there's a lot of great tips. And I am that terrible person in people's lives that say, I heard this on a podcast or I I learned this on TikTok, right? We all have those people in our lives and I am that person for a lot of people. And so for me, it's quick tips, right? Quick information like, oh, I never thought about that or that's going to change the whole way I do whatever. So I love it that way as a consumer. And as a creator, I try my best to share quick tips. Like I'll make a silly video every now and then with some funny viral music, right? But for the most part, it's sharing, hey, have you heard of this? Here's a fun way to use it. Not sure if you know about this. Here's a screenshot. So sometimes I'll do them with a green screen. So behind me is a picture of whatever I'm talking about. Sometimes I'll jump on and then I'll flip the screen to whatever's going on on my computer so people can take a look. But my goal is to give some information that might be great for that person or might be easy for them to pass on to someone else to say, hey, I know you do this. This might save you some time, right? Or change your workflow.
0: Cool. And that your class tech tips on TikTok too? You bet. Mm Because now I'm going to have to go check that out.
1: (laughs) I did a new video every day in January. That was my little start the year challenge. So there's plenty there. Every day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow.
0: That's that's awesome.
1: I can keep it up, but. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, seriously, I, you know, I learned so much just from our conversation and I cannot thank you enough for responding when I reached out and agreeing to come on as a guest. I, this has been fantastic. It's really been a great experience for me where I've, I've learned a whole bunch. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for
0: having me. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, Be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the scene to lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, Email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world class environment through a teacher centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of FlexTime without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.